the grace of God was so overwhelming in that moment because it was it was like God was saying to me, hey, I haven't forgotten you. Like, yeah, I taught you something there that you need my grace. But for me, I I don't really like draw away from that failure. I actually, it's like the joy of my life is that I've failed already and it's only God's grace. It's only by God's grace that I'm able to accomplish anything. So people think, well, oh, you must feel good about yourself on your best day or, or feel bad about yourself on your worst day. I'm like, dude, I already failed the test and God still chose me and God still uses me. And so to me, it just crushed my pride. The King's Council helps you discover, develop, and deploy your God-given talents and abilities. Now, our vision is to get you on the right path to your framework of success, focusing on the five power pillars, spiritual, mental, emotional, physical, and financial. Now, the King's Council is not your average coaching program. It's much more than that. It's a tribe of like-minded men and women bonded by faith and relationship that you can do life with. Join us in creating the next wave of kingdom entrepreneurs and becoming the CEO of your life by visiting kingscouncilcoaching.com and connect with one of our team members today. This episode is brought to you by Anchored Coffee. Anchored Coffee is a coffee company unlike any other. Not only do they provide the most delicious, and fresh coffee on the market. They also are positively impacting the communities where the coffee is growing. Anchored Coffee is on a mission to change the world through coffee. And as a subscriber of this podcast, you can get 15% off your next order using the promo code KING15. So visit impacttheworld.coffee today and use the promo code KING15 at checkout. That's impacttheworld.coffee using the promo code KING15 to get 15% off your next order. Enjoy the show. All right, all right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Council Podcast. I'm your host, Riley Meek. And today, I wanted to take a special moment today and really just allow our audience, our listeners, to get to know probably one of the key positions within the company, probably the most key position, I would actually argue that. And so honored to you, bro. Our Director of Member Relationships within the King's Council, Mr. Caleb Spittler is joining us today. Yeah, good to be here, Riley. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm so excited to get to have you share your story because I've, you know, been bros with you for a good period of time now. And you just have just such a key role within the King's Council here in just the relationship aspect. I just thought it'd be great for those that maybe aren't in the King's Council to get to know you a little bit more and understand really who you are, your heart, because it's so amazing, dude. And yeah, just get to know you a little bit more. So tell us, dude, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> it's open mic well, night. Yeah. Well, my great grandfather. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, in a nutshell, grew up as a pastor's kid in a small town in Wisconsin. So definitely grew up in church life. That's kind of all I've known is is church planting and whatnot. And yeah, 
really grew up as a youth group kid, those types of things, was really into sports, went to college to play soccer primarily, and then thought I was going to be a physical therapist was, was my dream. So I thought I'm going to live on a golf course. I'm going to, you know, marry a smoking hot wife and yeah, church will be a part of things, but it'll kind of be in addition to this vision that I had built for my life. And freshman year of college, God really changed all of that. And so it took me on a completely different path. I mean, really since then, I, I spent nine months in Nicaragua doing some church planting there. I ended up going to Europe for a year doing church planting there. I uh, was a youth pastor for several years, did church planting here in the States and in a few different states. So yeah, kind of been all over. But one of the overarching things I could say over the last 13 years, I've been all in on this Jesus thing. So I just threw caution to the wind. I mean, literally, you know, one way ticket out to California, sleeping on people's floors because I wanted to be around wherever God was moving. And so I've been able to have the ability to seek out different mentors, different people who had the life that I wanted to live. And and really all of those things were based around, you know, where's God moving here, especially here in the US. And so I was really, really intentional about, like I said, sleeping on people's floors, paying whatever I had to pay, throwing career to the wind, throwing family to the wind everything was just, I want to get to know Jesus better and and understand His will. Yeah, I love it, man. While we've got different stories, I just see so many similarities between the two, like in what you said, like doing whatever it takes just to be around the people that have the fruit in their life that you wanted, which is certainly something that I had done, but I definitely didn't grow up in a pastor's home. (laughs) I wasn't a pastor's kid by any means. Where we've come from is so interesting and really just how God can use us different people, different strokes of life, but are now on this mission and this this vision, ultimately this purpose that we have that we're running this race together. But take me back even growing up as a, a pastor's kid, never really knowing, like not knowing, but never really going. I mean, this dude is like straight as an arrow, right? You're, you're pretty... You didn't really go down the, the crazy path. No, of, no, no. Right. That's what I mean by <laughs> straight as an arrow, folks. Like, uh, like me, I'm, I'm... I thought you were going in a different direction there. <laughs> you know, I, so my, my, how I grew up was 14. I'm, I'm drinking, I'm partying. I'm like, I mean, it's way too stupid young to be doing any of that yeah. stuff. Yeah, I had my first girlfriend when I was 21, had yeah. my first drink. Yeah. Oh, I think I was 23 when I had my first girlfriend. Didn't drink a sip of alcohol until after 21. Which is so. incredible. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing that the discipline and so just honor to you for that. But so I just think it's so unique how we each probably had these different visions for our life, but now how we've come together and even just really, you know, the first time that I met you, man, through DM, mm-hmm. you Instagram direct message me, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Off of one of our, we did like an, an online challenge or yep. something like that. And I don't know if anybody has like experienced that before where there's just, you guys know my history of story. When I first saw Christian across the screen, it was like, I knew there was just like an immediate connection there. And I got this DM from, he slid right in my DMs, dude. And from Caleb Spittler here. And I, you know, some of these, I look at some of these, I don't, cause we get quite a few of them. So I looked at this though, and I was like, let me check this guy out. And, and there was just like this immediate connection. And, and I think tell the story about how you originally reached out to Christian and Connor when you were just kind of like testing us. Yeah. Where we were at. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first off, I mean, I did see something in you that I knew that I wanted. I knew that there was something, there was some kind of missing piece, something that God was doing that I felt like, yeah, I see something in this guy that I want to be close to. And so really for people out there listening, the thing I would encourage you into is 
do whatever it takes to get around those mentors. I mean, that is the strength of my life, that there's a boldness of, are they going to respond back? Will I look foolish? Is this silly? All those things. But sell whatever you have to, move wherever you need to go, go find mentors, the people that you want your life to look like, go find those people because proximity is power. Mm. And anyway, but to come back to your point, obviously this movement is, I mean, King's Council is kind of strange from the standpoint that is it a ministry? Is it a business? You know, I've heard people say business tree. And, you know, we we wear these shirts that say Jesus is King, but at the same time, it's a business in that sense. So I wanted to kind of put these guys to the test. I wanted to make sure that what they were doing was authentic and they weren't just using the name of Jesus as, you know, kind of a front to something else that was going on. So Riley put me on a text group with two of the other guys uh, in the group, And so rather than saying, hey, I love Jesus too, let's connect on that level, I started off by saying, hey, I love the business stuff, but do you guys really believe in this Jesus guy? I mean, you're not serious about that. You actually believe in Jesus? Just because I wanted to test them. I, I came into it very much so not oh, I love everything that you're doing. I came into it as as someone that skeptical is probably too strong of a word because it wasn't like I was... I didn't believe that it wasn't good, but I just felt like I'm not going to put myself wholeheartedly into this until I'm really clear on what this actually is. And so, yeah, really for quite a while, I've been testing things and, and looking for for character, because I think biblically, we can really only tell what is is fruitful, not just on gifting, but we actually have to look at character as well. Yeah, no, that's good, man. Yeah, I think a lot of listeners probably, I know there are some that just like, go all in with whatever that decision is and probably make more wrong decisions than right decisions in in doing that. But like what you did was just testing it, kind of toe in the water. Like, is this something that I really want to buy into? Because I know just from getting to know you more, there's a level of just a desire, a hunger for significance. Yeah. I'm just assuming I'm I'm kind of just saying this so you can disagree if you think so. But like we all, we all want this. We have this desire to be significant and some people we all have a desire to be part of something bigger than ourselves. Absolutely. God created us to desire him, to worship him. And so that innately we just, we have that desire and we oftentimes look for it in other places, whether it be professional football team or, uh, you know, we're at the NBA game and our hands are raising, like we're praising these teams, these other men and women. And innately we have that desire within us, but it should be to be worshiping God. And so, what I gathered from you, man, was like, you were testing this, like, you know that you are put on this earth for something great, something bigger. And I know that you are. That's why I'm so excited that you're part of our team because that desire to be significant is, is there within us. And what was it? I'm just curious, like, what was it about after even talking with Christian Connor and then even myself? And then, man, we, you actually came on board for one of our other companies first. That's how we built that relationship before you were actually on staff here with King's Council. So what was it about that that you saw maybe after you dipped your toe in? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. I think for me to see Christian entrepreneurs rise up and start to really take dominion over a sphere of the world that I believe is God-given. So I just think it's so right that God would call a group of people to make lots of money for the sake of the kingdom. You know, and and we've talked about this recently that it is crazy how far a dollar can go when it comes to, you know, our church recently helped build a school in Africa. I want to say it was like 20 grand and they built and fund this school that 
you know, for five years, they actually built a school building, can pay teachers, all these things. I might have the numbers off, but it wasn't that much, you know? And see, we've talked about schools that are being planted here or started here in the U.S. And a lot of these things that we want to take back from from people that are brainwashing students or whatnot is going to require money. And so I just love seeing a group of people come together, say, all right, let's teach you how to make more money. Let's all basically bring our skills and abilities together to level up and then use that for the kingdom for a purpose bigger than, you know, like we talked about this morning. It's not just about having a nicer house or a nicer car. There is actually a kingdom work going on here. And then the second thing that I've seen happen in this tribe that is really hard to do in church life is actually do stuff interdenominationally. So oftentimes when churches come together, there can be those arguments over doctrine and whatnot. And I want to say it's kind of impossible to tell, but they estimate there's between 60 to 300,000 different denominations here in the U.S. 60,000 to 300,000 different denominations. So, Every single time Christians essentially believe something different, rather than work it out and stick in there together, they just divide. They just say, let's just divide. Let's go, let's, you go build your church. I'll build my church. And let's, you're the church down the street. Even though we're actual family, we're not going to talk to one another at all. And so one of the things that this movement has been able to do, I mean, I don't know about you, but I haven't gotten in any doctrinal arguments. And absolutely, is doctrine important? Absolutely. Is truth important? Absolutely. But we have to recognize that there's a mission that's that's bigger maybe than what some of our doctrinal arguments are. And so to see people from all different walks of life and from all different denominations come together, there's something so central to the heart of God in that in terms of, you know, the church, the people of God used to be the most powerful people on the planet. When the Roman Catholic Church ruled, I mean, they were more powerful than a nation. They were more powerful than a military. I mean, they ruled the earth. And I think there's something that God is restoring to his people of actual leadership and rule that's going to require unity. Yeah, man. Oh, man. I stand in agreement with that 100%. And that's what I love. I mean, I love your story. I feel like we can go on 90 different tangents from that, which we'll, we'll do some follow-up episodes if you're cool with that. I love your story to the point of like, you grew up as a pastor's kid. I mean, you went to college. The plan that you had was that smoking hot wife. Can I say this? You got a smoking hot wife? Yeah, I got there in the end. I I, I did fulfill that part of the plan. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But that it definitely didn't look like the vision was was kind of there for you, but it it took different pathways for you. Like I know you said Nicaragua, a lot of spiritual warfare there. Yeah. Like witches praying curses on you type stuff. Yikes. Yeah. Craziness. Yeah. like movie style stuff, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Full on. Well, uh, we'll do another episode of that, man. <laughs> Just creating a list. Here. Guys chasing me with a machete. I mean, literally really? like running from a guy with a machete. I mean, Gosh. slept in the jungle, had monkeys. I mean, we could do a whole episode yes. on that. So that'd yeah. be great. We'll hold us to that chase. We're doing that, man. <laughs> and then I, I remember one of the first times we were out on the road, like the first time we actually worked together with one of our seminar companies, we sat down, we were having dinner and you were telling me this story about when you were over in, uh, was it England? Yeah. Yeah. Which is just kind of like a very heavy Mm. type of environment, like spiritually heavy. Yeah. How many months were you there where it was just trying to to witness to people and it was like Mm. just being in that season of your life? Yeah. What do you think that impact uh, there and what you went through there to, you know, 
leading up to even here right now? Like any topics or anything stand out to you that would be like key points in that time or in that season of your life that, that brought you to or that kept you just like steadfast to the mission that you're on? Yeah. So Nicaragua was kind of all about, it was really when I first started to get my life serious about God and I just noticed so much gifting and power. And I thought, I mean, it was honestly freaked me out a little bit, how much, how powerfully God was moving through me. I mean, crazy miracles, different things were happening. Again, we could go into it. I mean, even to me, like preaching a message in English to only Spanish speaking people and they all heard it in Spanish. And it felt like every person I prayed for was getting healed of things. And I was just like, I'm going to be the next big thing. Like I'm going to be the next whoever, you know, Stephen Furtag or whoever you want to want to think. So I'm like, this is crazy. I'm like one of the most gifted people. So then when I went to England, it was almost like God took his favor off me for a season. It was just like, hey, why don't you try it on your own? And it's rainy in England and people can kind of have a, a more down mentality. And so, yeah, just slugging it out all day, every day. What I did in England was just street evangelism. So literally walking up to somebody, oh, hey, nice dog, starting a a cold conversation and trying to turn that conversation to something about Jesus or get them to come to church. And I'll tell you what, after nine months, I mean, I had people supporting me in ministry and whatnot. Nine months, I prayed for one person to get born again. And within two weeks, he was backslidden and, you know, back doing the things that that he was doing previously. So, you know, in the scripture, everyone knows that short verse where it says Jesus wept. Not a lot of people know the context of that verse where it's he's crying over a lack of repentance, that people weren't actually coming into repentance. So, for me, just slugging it out in England for nine months, presenting the gospel, the good news to people, and seeing so many people not repent, it was depressing, man. To be a failed missionary, that's what, if I could think of one banner that was over my life coming back from that England trip, it would be failure. It's like, I failed God, I failed my family, failed everyone that supported me. I had no money to my name. I had no job, had no experience. Yeah, just had no way to, I wanted to pursue my wife, Shelly, at that time, had no way to do that. And I thought, I missed the boat. I must have sinned too much. I must have, you know, somewhere I missed something and God's mission has gone on without me. And I don't know what I'll do. You know, maybe I'll be a janitor in the church or something, but I don't know that God could actually use me. And a guy in our church asked me to, he's like, oh, Caleb just got back from England. Caleb, why don't you share some testimonies of what God did there? And it was just, it was the most humiliating thing. Because if you want to ask me testimonies about Nicaragua, I got a thousand. But you want to ask me about England, it was like, I don't know what to tell you guys. You gave me all this money to go serve and I, I failed. And I'd come back with nothing. And he just kind of, it was, to me, it felt a little bit awkward in the room. People were like, I was expecting it to be more (laughs) positive. But uh, at the end, he just kind of did a throwaway comment where he just said, hey, Caleb doesn't have any money, doesn't have a car, doesn't have a job. So if you feel like taking him out to dinner or blessing him, go ahead and do that. And people just started coming up and giving me money. And, you know, within a five minute span of time, I had two cars that people gave me. I had $3,000 in cash, multiple job offers. And I just go in the parking lot and I was living with one of the pastors at the time. And I just start bawling. And 
he said, oh, and somebody else actually asked me to give you this $500. And it was just like the grace of God was so overwhelming in that moment because it was it was like God was saying to me, hey, I haven't forgotten you. Like, yeah, I taught you something there that you need my grace. But for me, I I don't really like draw away from that failure. I actually, it's like the joy of my life is that I've failed already and it's only God's grace. It's only by God's grace that I'm able to accomplish anything. So people think, well, oh, you must feel good about yourself on your best day or, or feel bad about yourself on your worst day. I'm like, dude, I already failed the test and God still chose me and God still uses me. And so to me, it just crushed my pride. The ki- It was actually the kindness of God that crushed my pride. It wasn't God humiliate. Well, maybe it was a little humiliation, but it was actually that he was so kind to call me into his purposes, even when, you know, I felt like a failed missionary and I struggled with some different sin issues over that missions trip and whatnot. And, and to see God in a moment, yeah, I hadn't talked to Shelly in three years. We got engaged in three weeks when I got back. Wow. So from wow. absolute nothing to now I have the money to buy an engagement ring. I'm going for it with this girl. <laughs> It's like I went from from completely nowhere to job engaged, you know, a place to live, and and God just restored everything that that He had taken away. It's yeah. almost like that Job scenario. Yeah, yeah, and even just the concept. If you guys have heard us, you know, talk on this podcast for a period of time, we we talk about there's no real failure. There's only feedback. Yeah, and it's a perspective of the season that we're going through, what took place, what happened, how can we receive that, accept it, and then move forward from there. And that was obviously a season that you learned a yeah. decent amount from, yeah. you know, more, probably more so just about who you are and your discipline and to be able to, to you know, weather the storm call it and then come back and just receive God's blessings on that. So that, that's incredible. And from there, man, you went into a number of different sales careers, different businesses, had some success financially. And your heart though has always been ministry. Yeah. So this is the biggest curveball. I thought I was on the trajectory of ministry. So we moved to Minnesota to go do church planting. There was a small, small group there and they had asked us to come lead this. And, and it was with a view to plant a church. And so I'd been a full-time youth pastor for a while. And so we went there to kind of kick off our ministry. And so I thought, I'll just get a job while I'm there. And it was a tiny little town. There was like two jobs. One was gutter installation. The other was cold calling. So I chose the gutter installation one and the guy didn't show up for the interview. So (laughs) I took the cold calling position, calling companies, asking them if they need new clocks, like actual wall clocks. (laughs) And And this wasn't in 1943, people. This is like like three years ago. And I had no business experience whatsoever. So I felt like I was late to the game when it comes to business. No, All I had no really... pun intended with the clock late to the game. Uh, yeah, that's right. Oh, there's so many clock puns. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would tell you some of them, but they'd mostly be secondhand information. <laughs> Uh, that's good. But I'm watching, you know, Grant Cardone and all that. So the people are in this small town, they've been selling clocks there for like 50 years. And I come in with this Grant Cardone mentality where I'm not taking water breaks. I'm not taking bathroom breaks. I'm dialing. So other people are like, oh, I've called like 10 people today. I'm like, I'm at 85. Like I'm just dialing as fast as I can. Within the first three weeks, I'm knocking on my boss's door saying, hey, when are you promoting me to an outside sales rep? I mean, I was assertive. I probably went on his door six, seven times saying, when am I getting that promotion? Because not even necessarily 
because of what I want, but I know I can move the needle for you. And so he promoted me to outside sales rep, really quickly became the top rep there. And by a long ways, I think the next closest, they sold like 50K. And I, in seven months, did like 650K. And so... Yeah, I just knew the grace of God in my life for business, which was really strange because I was there to do church planting, but God was doing something in my life in business. And so from there, yeah, I moved into um, 1099 role, doing life insurance, won a sales competition with them as well. Yeah, I could go into to more of that, but I've known a, a grace and favor in my life for business and then obviously came on board with you and it's been such a curveball for me. Because I'm like, God, why you brought me into a, a business world where I thought I was just going to be a ministry guy? And so it's so great with King's Council is kind of marrying that business and ministry is what my life has been. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think to go back to like when you first messaged me, I just felt like right then I was like, this dude is, he's special. He's called to make money and to excel. I knew nothing about you. I didn't know you sold clocks or anything, but I just knew I had that feeling and that's really why we continued the conversation. And then obviously you came on board and, and did sales, but just getting to know you through that process, I knew you were going to be a part of this from the get-go. I didn't know what it was going to look like or how it was going to happen, but here we are, man. And now we're building this thing together. Mm. And if I can jump in there, I mean, one of the reasons that I switched from life insurance to working with you, I mean, you know, again, I had that experience with clocks and then in life insurance, finally had my first five figure weeks. And, you know, I still kept that trajectory of doubling my income again and again. And, but the reason I wanted to be with you is not because of being in a particular role. I just wanted to be close to you because coming back to that mentor thing, I needed somebody that could actually teach me about money, not just give me a role that I could make money in, but also walk that alongside. And so that's really why I took that role for you. It was a very linear move from a sales rep to sales rep role, but I took it a hundred percent for the mentorship aspect. Mm, yeah, that's good, man. And, and you know, I, I feel like I did that a few times in my kind of early on journey as well of like, who could I be around and what did I need to do? Were there possible sacrifices that needed to be made to do that? But just knowing that like, that was it, that was the calling that you had. And so as we continue on this journey and we're writing this book of life, as we, you know, wake up every day, you'd mentioned that the business and ministry and this business street kind of component, I really believe like King's Council, yeah, we are a coaching company. We are a a or we talk a lot about the kingdom economy and and the the it's that god who gives us the ability to create wealth and at the core of it our focus is jesus no doubt about it that's the movement that he has started and that we're just blessed to be able to get to lead people on this mission and this movement that we're on full well knowing that it takes a lot of money to be the good samaritan and hence, our nonprofit is called Mission 1037, and 1037 is stands for the parable of the Good Samaritan, Luke 1037, when Jesus says to go forth and do likewise. And it takes, if we were to go forth and do likewise, if you read the story of what the Good Samaritan actually did, was he bandaged the gentleman on the side of the road, he paid for him to stay at the inn, and then he went on, and this is just my complete, maybe my thought process of this, like he went on to business meetings, you know, and then he said, when I come back, if there's still debt due, I will pay that for him then as well. And then Jesus has to go forth and do likewise. Which one had mercy on him? Well, that, that guy, the businessman, the traveler, it's like, yeah, go forth and do likewise. And if we are called to do that, that is our mission. How do we do that? Like we have to create more Kings, like Kings create Kings. 
And as we are growing the kingdom and the kingdom economy, it's going to take people that have that ability to create wealth. But more importantly, in my opinion, is how do we steward it well? Because money only makes us more of who we already are. I quickly learned at an early age when I started to make money, like I was not that good of a dude. Right. And so it was putting myself in situations or really just surrounding myself with people like you. That's like, no, 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 man. Like, let's, let's actually see what the Bible says. Like, what's the word of God say and how to actually steward this thing well. And so I'm just pumped to do life with you, man. Me too. (laughs) Likewise. I mean, we're just getting started here as we're actually doing this podcast right now at a, one of our annual events that we host called Rest, Reflect and Relaunch. And we've made some transitions within the King's Council and where we're moving forward with just the primary focus on the kingdom economy and like, how can we raise up the next generation, lead the next generation into stewarding our money appropriately and how to build businesses and build the kingdom. And I'm just so excited, man, that you're on board. Man, I'm as excited as I can be. I mean, (laughs) I think what's my favorite thing about this, and this is what I had to test in the beginning was, is Jesus at the center and is it full submission to Jesus? Because that's what it actually means to be a subject of a king is that I'm fully going to submit to absolutely everything that you're saying. So are we there yet? Are we, you know, walking in complete obedience to Jesus, even in this movement? Like, no, surely not. I mean, is God going to adjust things? Absolutely. But I've been so privileged to be connected in with leaders that are quick to say, okay, here's something that God's actually adjusting in this movement and how we can, you know, pivot in different things. So I don't necessarily, it's kind of that excitement of, I don't know what God's going to do next. One of the things I'm most excited about is as we get the word out there of what we're doing, who's going to send the next DM, you know, who's going to be that next person that God actually joins us together? Because I think there's so many people out there that are doing some great things, but maybe they're doing it on their own. And so I just can't wait to, to be something of a hub for those people where we can all come together and, and, really be the church. Absolutely. That's what it's about. And if any of you would love to maybe even hop on a phone call with you, if I can throw this out there, man, slide into our DMs, text the word King, K-I-N-G to 727-472-3860. Again, 727-472-3860. Text the word King and we'll get you a Calendly link. Just get on Caleb Spittler's here calendar and rap about life. I mean, it doesn't even have to be about anything other than just like, what are we about within the King's Council? We are about our father's business, number one. And then ultimately just how can we support you? We host masterminds every single month uh, virtually. And then every other month they're actually in person, different areas throughout the country. We some crazy events called Own Your Life, which really hit the five power pillars. So we talk about the five power pillars, mental, emotional, physical and spiritual is a primary focus on our own your life events, which are amazing two day experiences of really not how to just have a a fun time, but really how to map out the blueprint of how to optimize every one of those pillars mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. And then our masterminds is that financial pillar of how we can build business, create business together. doesn't matter what industry you're in. doesn't even matter if you don't have a business or if you just desire to have one, we've got the blueprint for that as well. So text again, King, K-I-N-G to 727-472-3860. And Caleb will hop on the phone with you. Absolutely. Yeah. It's been a pleasure, brother. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Right on, man. We'll talk to you guys soon. 
Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the King's Council Podcast. For more information on the King's Council and becoming the CEO of your own life, visit kingscouncilcoaching.com today. You can also follow us on Instagram at kingscouncilcoaching. We'll see you next time. Thank you.